What can you expect? All right, so understand this first and foremost, there's no perfect marriages, right? So no matter what you might see on social media, (laughs) there is no perfect marriages, right? You have the filtered life versus the unfiltered life. And I have to always remind myself of that. It's kind of one of the reasons I don't get on social media during Valentine's Day because I might think I'm crushing it by getting my wife a box of chocolates and roses, but some of the guy on social media bought his wife like a package trip to Europe and a pony. And so I never get on social media Valentine's Day because it's gonna be a very poor decision, all right? Um, so there is no perfect marriages. Uh, you are a sinner who will be married to another sinner. So in other words, you're going to disappoint each other. You know, a lot of pre-marriage counseling sessions that I have with these couples, um, I'll have a couple say, well, we're, we're marrying each other because this person makes me really happy. And I have to like push the pause button. I'm like, okay, I have some good news and I have some bad news. <laughs> the bad news is, um, let me manage your expectations for marriage a little bit. Um, this person will make you happy at times. They're also gonna make you cry at times and they're gonna hurt your feelings. And you might be disappointed in how things turn out because maybe they turn out not as you expected. I'll give you an example how things change and your expectations sometimes change. Um, my wife, Steph, beautiful hair, gorgeous hair. And now she's got like this whole beach wave thing going on. I'm like, oh, that is so awesome. I love it. Two years ago, okay, we've been married for 18 years. 16 have been amazing. I'm just kidding. But two years ago, um, I'm f- discovering that in our shower, it's not draining. And it's, we got a clogged pipe here. And so I get one of those long, like plastic things that have like serrated teeth, stick it down in that drain, pull it out. And guess what was in there? Steph's hair. <laughs> that beautiful, long hair. I still love that on her. (laughs) You see what I mean, right? Things change when it comes to expectations. We are going to disappoint each other. It's just a part of the program, all right? I think there's some expectations that we're going to need to die to, right? I think that's just the case. But I think lastly, God is faithful in the midst of it all. Remember this, y'all. We're imperfect people, but we do have a perfect God who loves us perfectly. Amen? And he can manage your marriage a lot better than you can if you allow him. And so understand that this is of what you can expect when it comes to marriage. Okay, next one here. Let me go back. All right, where do our expectations come from, right? Where do they come from? First and foremost, you got five blanks, I think. Parents. Where do your expectations come from? Parents. No doubt your home life, right, Your family of origin has had a huge impact on you. There's no way that you can spend 18 years under someone's roof and not have some of their life rub off on you. You know what I mean? And so if you want to know, a guy told me this, a pastor told me this when Steph and I were dating. He's like, if you want to know what Steph's going to be like 30 years down the road, just take a good look at her mom. And a lot of that is true. I know what your guy's gonna look like, your husband's gonna look like 30 years down the road. Look at the dad. Not always the case, not always the case, but in large part, some of you are like, um, we need to talk about this. (laughs) And I love Steph's mom. She's awesome. She's a beautiful woman for her age and she's a wonderful cook and she has a great personality. I'm like, I got a good deal out of this. But a lot of ways you can look at the parents and see. 
um, and they are going to do things. There will be times in your marriage where you're gonna look at your spouse and go, that is so like your mom. Or that is so like your dad. You marry people. You feeling me on that? You've been there? Um, Steph has an affinity for decorative mugs, okay? Especially around Christmas. And so she collects all sorts of decorative mugs. Guess what you're gonna find at her parents' house in her mom's cupboard? Decorative mugs. It's a part of the deal. And that's awesome. I love that about her. But in a lot of ways, you are getting passed down to you all sorts of things from mom and dad. Um, Culture. Culture is another one. Movies, music, media in general can play a great deal in your life when it comes to shaping your expectations. As an example, guy, girl watches Fifty Shades of Grey, otherwise known as a Fifty Shades of Gross. <laughs> media, movies like that, right? In some ways, they are gonna shape our thought life and how we think marriage should play out with regards to like intimacy. Media is not a passive wrapping. It's actively shaping our thoughts and thus our behaviors and our attitudes and how we think about things, especially when it comes to marriage. Um, Thirdly, other relationships. How you were treated in previous relationships, you can carry that right on into marriage. You can. Um, Fourthly, ourselves. We can develop our own attitudes about how we think people should treat us. And we'll look at a case in point in just a few minutes. And then fifthly, church. For sure, as a teen, I was negatively impacted on how my church in particular taught about physical intimacy or sex within marriage. And it was kind of like framed up like, okay, we don't want kids having sex, so let's frame up sex in such a way that they think it's dirty, gross, and bad, right? So make sure to save it for the one you love, (laughs) right? That whole deal. And so when I got into marriage, I still had like a mental hurdle because of my expectation of how I was taught on sex and thus what I expected once I got into marriage. Matter of fact, Steph and I, we got married down in Naples, Florida, August 1st, 2003. And so our first night was at the Ritz-Carlton. I'm glad Steph's not here. I'm just kidding. I'm not sure anything with detail, but this is funny. So we had the 23rd floor on the Ritz-Carlton, right? Beautiful view of the Gulf. It's like there's sailboats out there. There's doves flying. It's like full moon, palm trees. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Again, windows open, and the first thing I do, shut the windows and close the blinds. And stuff's like, what are you doing? Who do you think's gonna see us? And in my mind, I'm still thinking, this is the one dirty thing that God lets married people do, because my mind was so messed up. My expectation of what that was gonna be like was so distorted by the teaching I had received, I needed to be renewed in the scriptures to have a different expectation of what intimacy looked like. So church... No doubt, for better or worse, hopefully better, more better than worse, has an impact on our lives. All right, moving right along. Now that we know where expectations come from, know for sure that expectations, at least that are not met, can lead to feelings, right? We're gonna get into the feels a little bit here. Sadness, disappointment, frustration, and anger. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? Ever had unmet expectation lead to some negative feelings, okay? All of us are in that boat together. Let me give you an example of this. I was trying to like rack my brain, like where in the Bible do you see an example 
of an unmet expectation. And there's a clear one, and it's so cool. How many of you guys have heard the story of Naaman the Syrian from 2 Kings chapter 5? There's a great picture of unmet expectation in that. Let me read this to you, okay? Sometimes with PowerPoint, I gotta scale back and scale forward, and now it should show up. Let me read this to you. So backstory, Naaman is basically the captain of the Syrian army, right? And they're ruling and oppressing Israel at various times, but he's kind of a big deal. He would be like vice president, right? Commander-in-chief of the forces, and yet it says he was a leper. And that leprosy drove him to try to find a cure. And he finds out from a servant girl in his own house, hey, you should go down to Israel. There's a guy named Elisha. He can cure you. So he travels down with this huge entourage of chariots and horses. He first goes to the palace because that's where he's thinking important people like himself should get a cure. And then what? He gets redirected to Elisha. And so here he is. He's shown up with this entourage at Elisha's house, not at the place he expected he would find a cure, but this is where he has been directed. And this is what unfolds. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious. Remember, feelings can be indicators that something is off in your life that you might be dealing with an unmet expectation. Definitely the case here. And here's what he said. Well, I thought, I thought, surely he was gonna come out to me, stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Anger, rage, he's furious, is an indicator. It's almost like a light that comes on the dash of your car. We got maybe a problem with the engine. We need to check this thing out. Something's wrong under the hood. Something's wrong in Naaman's life. As we looked at those five sources of expectations, Where do you think Naaman and his unmet expectation, what do you think the source was? What do you think? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Yes. Naaman's attitude was based on his own self-perception, right? Resulting in this unmet expectation. You think about it, he was a man of importance. VP in his country, right? He's got clout, he's got wealth, he's got power. He's got prestige. He's got the most likes on Facebook, (laughs) right? He's somebody. He's who's who in Syria. Everybody knows this guy. He expects to be treated a certain way. When I come here to Israel and and you send out a servant to tell me to go wash in the dirty Jordan River, are you kidding me? The indignity of it all. Do you see the source? Our own attitudes and self-perception can give us an expectation that in some ways, in this case, was unmet, but all stemmed back to Naaman himself. Isn't that interesting? I was just like flabbergasted when I saw that. I was like, so, so true. Question for you guys. Have you ever felt slighted in a social setting thinking you should have been recognized when you were not. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Yes. And I think, think about this. All of marriage can be behold I thought, (laughs) right? Think about that for a second. 
Behold, I thought marriage was gonna make me happy. Behold, I thought my spouse was gonna meet all my needs. Well, I thought she would change after we got married. I thought our personal problems would disappear once we got married. I thought if I found the right one, marriage would be easy. I thought if you had a good marriage, you'd never struggle. I thought it was going to be for better, richer, and healthier. I didn't expect worse, poor, and sickness. When things don't pan out as expected, how are you going to respond? And that's going to be very important for your marriage because you are going to be met with unmet expectations. The question is not whether or not you're going to be met with those. It's how you respond to them will determine greatly the direction your marriage takes. And that's our next point. All right, progression of a healthy marriage, right? So you have unmet expectations and done the right way can lead to discovery, then personal responsibility, and then commitment. Done in an unhealthy manner, right? Unmet expectations can lead to disappointment, to disconnecting, and ultimately can lead in some cases to divorce. The question for you, when you get hit with unmet expectations, what direction is your marriage going to take? Because you get to choose. And honestly, guys, based on so many years of doing, I guess so many years, a few years of doing some pre-marriage counseling and working a lot with marriages, honestly, I think it really depends on who's sitting in the driver's seat of your life in which direction you're going to go to a healthy place or an unhealthy place in your marriage. If the scriptures, if the word of God are the thing that's driving your life, then you're gonna end up being committed most likely in your marriage. However, if something else is driving your life, emotions, experiences, reason, tradition, or culture, then your marriage could end up in a place down the road you didn't didn't expect or think you would go. It really depends what is sitting in the driver's seat of your life because it matters. It's going to matter a lot. Okay. You think about this. Think about expectations. Think about this question someone poses as a problem within marriage. Well, I didn't expect this person to be so different after we got married. Well, hello, of course they're different. People change. You You didn't marry a mannequin. Matter of fact, I heard a guy say that over the course of marriage, 55, 60 years, you can expect your spouse to change five to seven different times over that marriage. Yep, people change. I'm not the same guy I was 20 some odd years ago or 18 years ago when I first married Seth. We're different people today. And so you have to embrace those differences and expect that people are gonna change. It's gonna be seasons. Hello, do kids change things? Kermingas, have kids change things? You're probably different because of kids. You assume new roles as parents and things just look different and that's okay. Embrace those differences and expect that things will change down the road and that's all right. All right, so let's look at three key problems. Three key problems. One, you can be unaware of expectations that you have for your relationship, right? You can be unaware of those. Um, almost like an example, Steph and I coming into marriage and both of us having a different amount of time that we spend doing a quiet time in the word. And that just looked different. 
And I didn't know what to expect because I had lived with her and now we're living with each other. Like, oh, you take 30 minutes? Well, I take an hour. That's a little bit different. That's okay or whatever. I'm just giving you an example. Sometimes it can be expectation that you're unaware of. Secondly, your expectations can be unreasonable, <laughs> right? Well, I thought our first night together on our honeymoon was gonna be like Hollywood movie sex. And then it's not quite that way. That could be maybe unreasonable. Um, ultimately, you have to understand your spouse cannot fill you in a way that God can. And so a lot of times couples get into trouble because they're looking to that person to give them only that which God can give them. So first and foremost, as we talked about in the first session, make sure that Christ is the one you're looking to to be fully satisfied, fully complete in him because then you'll be able to relate correctly to your spouse. All right, third, if reasonable, expectations can be unspoken. And I love Jim Erickson's quote. He might have quoted this last time we were together for uh, finances. He says this in his marriage. I thought it was really good and insightful. We don't hold each other accountable for expectations we have not communicated or agreed to. It's a good thing to live by. So make sure you're communicating well, all right? Okay, next, a better way to manage expectations. First, be aware of what you expect. And your homework, guys, is gonna help you with that. So be sure that you're getting to that homework because it has a ton of questions that it's gonna like take you through. And it's gonna be really, really good information and really help give you insight into each other and what you're expecting in every marriage. Secondly, be reasonable in what you expect. Ask some close friends, maybe even to weigh in. You know, a lot of times it's like, I don't know what to expect. So maybe you ask a couple who's married and go, hey, are our expectations for marriage reasonable or not reasonable? That's always a good place to go. All right, our parents, you could ask them as well. Um, fourthly, be open about what you expect. Communicate. I guess to quote Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> communication solves a lot of problems. Communication is almost like the hub of a wheel. And that communication is going to affect almost pretty much every area, every topic that we've covered when it comes to finance, when it comes to sexual intimacy, when it comes to everything. Communication is central. So communicate about what you expect. Fourthly, be willing to listen to the Lord. It says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. So ask the Lord. He will, he will help you. Uh, all right, so now let's get into the second portion of this, okay? Family and in-laws. Family and in-laws. All right, when we think about in-laws, sometimes we can conjure up in our minds some cringeworthy moments like what was depicted in Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller, right? Or maybe we're thinking the experience with the in-laws will be more like what Jennifer Lopez experienced in the movie Monster-in-Law, right? Sometimes we can think negatively about the in-laws. And I think a lot of that comes from the culture. And I hope and pray neither is the case for you guys, but I think it's important that we understand we need God's wisdom in order to navigate these relationships with the in-laws so that we can maintain and have a healthy marriage, right? So first and foremost, when it comes to family and in-laws, understand that everyone brings their own baggage into the marital relationship. We talked about this. You're greatly shaped by your home life. It has stamped you like DNA. And you view marriage and family in large part because of what you've experienced in your home life. 
I'll give you guys an example. Um, this is funny. So Steph, before we got married, obviously like lived at home for 18, uh, 20 years, a few couple years of college. But her father took care of her car meticulously. If her car ever got to like a quarter tank, her dad was taken to the gas station, filling up. If her car ever needed an oil change, he's taken to the place and get it changed. Uh, if her car ever needed a car wash, he's taken and providing that for her. When we got married, who did she assume was going to take over that role? Moi. <laughs> I can still remember we're in seminary, Southeastern Baptist Theologic Seminary, SCBTS, in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And she comes home and she's like, hey, Trav, um, my car is almost, almost on empty. And I'm like, I was a gas station on the way home. Why didn't you stop? <laughs> What's happening here? There's expectations that I was going to assume the role for dad. It's not wrong. It wasn't wrong for her to expect that. And I wasn't right for her being wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's just different expectations. And so we had to communicate and go, okay, so where is this, where is this stemming from? And then it was just like one of those aha moments, light bulb. And I'm like, oh, yes. And so we communicated and we met halfway and we worked things out and everything was, was much better. But that's just an example of how you're gonna bring things into your marriage that you saw lived out in your home life. And sometimes like you'll expect them to be, you'll be expected to be treated the way that you saw mom and dad treat each other. You will. And sometimes you'll do it unconsciously, right? You just, you just expect it. So know that's as part of it. Um, your stamp with the name of your parents. Listen, you didn't just marry the individual. <laughs> you marry the whole family. You get all of the baggage that comes with that as well. But here's the thing about marriage. Yes, you're gonna bring in some good and bad from your family of origin. I know I did, I came from a broken family. Here's the good part of that. You get to chart your own course when it comes to your marriage. You get to choose what you're gonna allow into your marriage and what you're going to allow to be a part of your life together, amen? You no longer have to let the past, whatever that may be, define who you are and where you're going. You can let the cross and what Jesus did there for you determine who you are and where you're going today. Amen? I think that's huge when it comes to marriage. What does the scripture have to say about in-laws, by the way? There's not a whole lot. I already have a verse, though, picked out for Ava and Carter and Walker and Weston when they get married. It's Exodus 18, 24. It says this. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had to say. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna be quoting that. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> Well, let me show you guys a video when it comes to in-laws. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, this is so good. I hope this works. Guys, I just uploaded this today. And, um, and so I'm, I'm praying that based on my Google search of how to upload a video to PowerPoint works. Let's see if I can do this. You see, this is the attitude. I'm not close-minded. Ugh, what are you doing right now? This is who you are. Why can't you just talk about things, huh? Talk! <laughs> you know, I have to say that you're actually exhibiting some of the very traits that seem to jump off the page in Michael's book. Who? Uh, 
You? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, it's not a book. It's pieces of construction paper. You sound a bit close, Martha. Hey. Eileen, you have no idea what I have to put up with. When I got married, I didn't just get a husband. I got a whole freak show that set up their tent right across the street. And that, that would be fine if they stayed there. But every day, every day, they dump a truckload of their insane family dreck into my lap. How would you like to sit through two people in their 60s fighting over who invented the lawn? The lawn! And then the brother. I live in an apartment. I don't even have a lawn. Raymond has a lawn. But you can't blame him when you see who the mother is. She has this kind of sick hold on the both of them. And the father's about as disgusting a creature as God has ever dropped on this planet. So no wonder the kid writes stories. I should be writing stories. My life is a gothic novel. And until you have lived in that house with all of them in there with you day after day, week after week, year after friggin' year, you are in no position to judge me. <laughs> well, yep, the freak show right across the street. <laughs> Oh, we're not trying to scare you off when it comes to in-laws, but it's a funny depiction about uh, their experience in their life. Um, yeah. All right. So moving forward, let's look at a couple different things. All right. Next one. Oh, that's different. Oh, there we go. That's better. Okay. So become one flesh. We're going to get back to scripture because scripture should be the driving force when it comes to how we're to relate to each other now in marriage, right? And so there's kind of this leaving and cleaving principle within the scriptures. The man leaves his father and mother, becomes united with his wife, and together they form a new family, right? So you have this leaving concept, right? No failure to launch here, <laughs> Children are arrows, not boomerangs. <laughs> They're meant to go out in this world. I'll never forget, I was home with Carter. Uh, this was when he was about three years old. I came home with the, to Steph for a lunch period and uh, had lunch with the family. And then Carter was like, hey, dad, thanks so much for visiting. I'm like, actually, you're the one who's visiting for the next 18 years. And then it's mom and dad's job to launch you out into this world. And we don't want you coming back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love him. But I think this this idea of like, gosh, leaving mom and dad is an important part. Cutting that cord is an important part to becoming independent of mom and dad in order to cleave to your spouse. If there's no leaving, it's gonna be hard to do the cleaving. You see what I'm saying? So learn to become independent of mom and dad. Not that like all of a sudden mom and dad are no longer in your life but now you have to construct a whole new family unit, right? That's you and your spouse, independent from them, all right? So cleaving, new family unit established along with a new set of priorities. First and foremost, you gotta understand, I'm a spouse and then I'm a son or daughter of my parents, right? And sometimes that's a hard transition to make for some couples and we're gonna get into that. Um, 
Understand too, God has designed you for one flesh. This transition takes place on your wedding day, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. You are one and oneness is God's purpose and design for your marriage. So a couple things to be mindful of when we think about the scripture and how it applies to our life, right? And first of all, it's be on the same team. Let me just unpack some things for you guys. This is rules of conduct when it comes to communication and conflict with regards to the in-laws. Because yes, yes, it can happen. (laughs) We want to get you prepared to how to properly and godly handle some of those things. All right, when it comes to conflict, right? Let's say that there's a problem that Steph has with my mom. And the reason I say that is because it's happened before. 10 years ago, my mom visited down from Texas. She flew up here, spent some time with us. People from Texas, God bless them. Sometimes they don't have a filter over their mouth. Do you know what I mean by that? And so my mom, she meant really well, but she made a snarky kind of comment about Steph's hair. I didn't take it that way, but my wife did. And she was hurt by it. So now I have a problem here. My wife is hurt and it's my mom who created the hurt. What do you do? Do I just like stuff? Well, just, you know, come on, get over it. Seriously, your hair? Ah, hair is kind of a big deal to girls, to women. And make things right. The natural born child needs to make that right. Meaning, I got on the phone with my mom and said, Mom, hey, remember when you were here and you made that little comment about Steph's hair? I know you didn't mean it that way. She was hurt by it. And my mom was just horrified. She said, oh no, I'm so sorry. So she calls up Steph and she's like, Steph, I'm so sorry. I think your hair is gorgeous. That beach wave curl you got going on, it's amazing. And that made things right. If you force your spouse to make things right with the in-laws, things can get sideways and wonky on you really, really quickly. So don't do that, all right, as a rule of thumb. Um, Secondly, this is like don't run to your parents, other family members, right, every time you have an issue with your spouse. And this is a good point because be careful in involving in-laws with your marriage issues, okay? Um, Parents are going to naturally side with their son or daughter. And conversely, they're maybe going to start thinking negatively about the other person, the spouse, right? And so be careful. Keep the circle small. If there's conflict in your marriage, don't run to mom and dad to automatically get their advice. Again, because they're going to take the side of the natural born child more times than not, because that's their kid. (laughs) Involve a friend, involve a pastor, involve a counselor, involve another couple who's married. Get a different perspective that's not skewed because there's a relation that's there. Okay, does that make sense? Really important on that, all right? Um, Thirdly, when it comes to be on the same team and it comes to dealing with conflict and communication with in-laws. Um, don't allow your spouse um, or your parent, I'm sorry, don't, do not allow your parents or yourself to badmouth your spouse, okay? And I'd also say this, in your marriage, don't speak bad of the in-laws, okay, to one another. Here's the deal. You can be critical of your own parents because it's your parents. If you start being critical of the in-laws to your spouse, you're gonna have a whole new problem in your marriage, right? Because regardless, they may be right in what they're saying, at the end of the day, that's your mom and dad. And you're going to be like, that's my mom and dad. You ready to fight? <laughs> that's just the natural inclination. So it's always a good rule of thumb. Don't badmouth the in-laws to one another. Be very careful in what you're saying about the other's parents because it could come back to bite you. What does it say in Ephesians 4.29? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for what? Edification, right? According to the need of the moment who hear. So be careful how you're communicating about parents. All right, next, let's get into more nitty-gritty details, and that has to do with 
holidays, right? Be sure to communicate your plans for holidays, birthday, and other big events. Okay, this is going to be a big deal, right? Because this can get tricky, right? Because everyone has expectations when it comes into like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Just because you got married doesn't mean traditions in your family of origin have died out. And you got to communicate with your spouse. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? Because mom and dad are checking this on Christmas and also Thanksgiving. Well, we can't do both because we got to go see your parents. You know what I'm saying? You've got to start communicating and planning those things out. Hitting the bomb on the in-laws like the day before Christmas. Oh, well, so hey, this is what we're going to do. That's not going to go over very well. Make sure you're communicating that well in advance so that you're not hurting people's feelings. Come up with that plan together, right? Do it together. And know that there's going to be seasons of life. Christmas and Thanksgiving is not maybe always going to look the same right? Over the years, things are going to change. Kids are going to be introduced into the picture, most likely. And when kids get introduced to the picture, that changes the dynamics of how you spend Christmas with the in-laws. Three years ago, four years ago, before we had Westy, we had three kids, Ava, Carter, and Walker. And we realized very quickly that our time spent at Steph's parents was changing. Our idea of spending five, six, seven days at her parents' house when it was just the two of us looked very different now that we're a party of five. And we tried to stay seven days at her parents' house with three rambunctious kids. And by the end of those seven days, somebody was about to go to jail. (laughs) And it was rough. And we brought this upon ourselves because we just didn't think clearly through what the implications were now that we were a party of five. And so we left that Christmas and there was a little bit of hurt feelings. They were glad we were going and we were glad to go. (laughs) And I remember in the car ride home, I talked to Steph, I was like, this looks different. This feels different. We can't do this the same next year. And so we planned well in advance and the very next Christmas, we spent three days at her parents' house and then we spent three days in a hotel with a pool. And we invited everybody over to the hotel to have a pizza party, pool party, and it was awesome. It was the best Christmas we ever had. Ooh, things look different, okay? So that's how you can manage expectations for how seasons of life are gonna change things for you, all right? Understand though, first couple holidays, there could be a few bumps in the road. Expect it to be a little emotional because things are gonna be different, and that's okay. That's okay, all right? So next, be proactive in building the relationship, all right? And what I mean by that is be sure that you're careful on receiving gifts from the in-laws. There's nothing wrong with receiving help from mom and dad. Just be sure that there's not strings attached, that you haven't read the fine print. Because sometimes this happened to Steph and I, my side of the family is a little bit more dysfunctional than Steph's side of the family. And so a few years back, it was Christmas and my parents paid to have Steph and I fly down to Texas. Well, I come from a divorce home. My, both my mom and dad have remarried, but it was my aunt and uncle who raised me. So I essentially have three sets of parents in Texas. Texas is a big place. It should have its own country, but they threw a bunch of little states around it. We get down there, and of course, the parents who paid for the ticket expected what? We'd spend all their time with them. So when we left to go see the other sets of parents, there was hurt feelings. So we realized very quickly, we can't receive money from my side of the family come to go down there and see them. We're gonna do it on our own time and dime. And that's the way it's gonna have to be in order to protect our marriage, but also protect the feelings of our in-laws. Important, right? Good example of that. Um, So just be careful when it comes to money and stuff like that. All right, next, be realistic and accept reality, right? 
Relationships are difficult. Hello. <laughs> they are. And you know what? You're going to be called to love difficult people. It's just a part of the deal. And that's okay. Understand, remember, Christ loved you so that you can love others. And as Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Sometimes we just have to deny ourselves the things that we want for the better of other people. And that's a great mode to operate in because people love Christ-likeness. And if you're willing to be selfless and serve someone else, especially when it comes to the in-laws, man, it will really warm up the Thanksgiving and Christmas atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? It really, really will. All right, next. Choose. Choose your attitude rather than blame others for your responses. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6, right? People change by grace, not by force, dominance, or arrogance, right? Be the change you want to see in your marriage and with the in-laws, all right? Next, I think this is our last one. Last slide, your own marriage, realize, is the top priority. Your marriage, this is a Tim Keller quote, I thought it was really good. Your marriage must be more important to you than anything else. No other human being should get more of your love, energy, industry, and commitment than your spouse. And so lastly, guys, fight for your marriage, fight for your family. It's the most important thing to you. Are mom and dad important to you? Absolutely, and they should be. When you get married, guess who's more important? Your spouse. And sometimes that's a hard transition. So expect there might be some bumps along the way because things are gonna be different and that's all right.